Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to episode 24 of Inside Illini Football. I'm News Gazette Sports Editor Matt Daniels. Pleased to be joined by Colin Likas, who's back in the studio, frantically typing away on his laptop, hitting refresh on Twitter every few seconds. So he's uh, not at state softball like he was last Wednesday, Colin. If you can believe that was a week ago, you've you've got a nice little farmer's tan going. I've I noticed yeah. from all your <laughs> travels in June, covering the heck out of uh, the state series for high school sports in illinois colin good to have you back how are you it just looks like a bruise honestly but <laughs> yeah i'm uh, i'm good matt you take uh, lashings every day you come <laughs> into the news gazette. apparently um but yeah coming back to uh recruiting news almost as soon as we kick off this podcast it's a uh, good timing i guess at least they didn't do it you know right after the podcast or at the end of it or something like that so or in the i say that yeah i say they i mean it's, it's up to one person ultimately but brett bielman tossed out his uh his kind of bat signal i guess his good news coming message on twitter um about a half hour ago and it didn't take long before we found out what that meant uh the 10th verbal commitment to illinois class of 2022 excuse me Ian Pug, uh, wide receiver out of Fenwick up in the Oak Park area, uh, two days after verbally decommitting from Cincinnati, uh, has decided he wants to join the ever-growing in-state class, or the in-state portion of the 2022 class, um, now up to six total, I believe, out of the 10 kids that are in that class of 2022. He's a receiver, uh, as I said, out of Fenwick. Um, and he's just adding to that offense nine players on the offensive side of the ball for Illinois in the class of 2022 out of those 10 total players. Um, so pretty pretty good get there. He had uh, multiple Division One offers, including from Indiana and Iowa as well. Uh, so he was being looked at by multiple Big Ten schools, and the in-state pitch of Brett Bielema and his staff seems to have appealed to yet another in-state product. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. Illinois is up to, to double-digit commits uh, already by the 4th of July. In, in previous years, that never seemed to happen until well into the recruiting cycle at all. And, and Illinois has uh, continually found themselves um, in the top 30 uh, nationally on, on rivals and, and 247, the two big recruiting services, uh, when it comes to the class of 2022. And again, it's it's good to add another skill position player to the group uh, in the class of 2022 and I think more importantly it's uh, a good addition to bolster the in-state recruiting uh, methods that Brett Bielma came in basically talking about within hours after he was introduced as Illinois football coach uh, a week before Christmas last year and uh, they're they're following through on it, and, and the high school coaches and players in the state seem to to really have kind of gravitated towards Bielema and, and his staff, and they they've got um, you know the ball rolling in the right direction when it comes to in-state recruiting, and, and Pew's commitment is just another 
uh, another feather in their cap as I just spout off more and more cliches now <laughs> when, when I talk about uh, <laughs> recruiting. But still, it's, uh, it's a good addition. Again, like we always say with recruiting, we're not going to know the uh, on-the-field you know, decisions or, or consequences of, of what these players will be in you know, two to three years, possibly even longer. But just from the optics of it and, and recruiting, is that's what a huge part of recruiting is, is the optics and, and the outside perception. Uh, Illinois seems to be doing an admirable job uh, when it comes to uh, securing some of the state's top players and, and making sure they don't go elsewhere. Uh, when it comes to their college football careers. Absolutely. Uh, you can't ever speculate, you know, if uh, a two-star kid versus a five-star kid, you know, which one might uh, iron out better in college. I mean, it, it seems like it would always be the five-star, but that's not always the case. And so just letting kids go based on rankings or previous commitments or what have you just isn't something, especially right now, that Brett Bielema can afford to do when he's trying to you know, set the set the tone for we we care about in-state kids and we want to bring them into the program and have them have them help out the program right away. So, it's good for him and his staff to stick on these kids who have verbal commitments but haven't signed with their teams yet. See if they can plant a seed. See if any of their close friends uh, happen to commit to Illinois or show interest in Illinois. Uh, from what I understand, Ian is close or at least friends with a couple of Joliet Catholic. Uh, commits to Illinois and Jordan Anderson and Malachi Hood. So I'm sure that had to play some kind of role. You just notice whenever you look at Twitter especially, and it's probably the case on maybe like Instagram. I'm not really familiar with Instagram as much. But You're I, not I'm on the a, gram, Colin. I, sh- I should be, but I'm not. Uh, but Twitter, you know, you see all these Illinois commits in the class of 2022. They are all over the stuff that Bielman and his staff put out. Whenever a kid says he receives an offer from Illinois or you know, says he decommits from a certain place and, and Illinois is on the radar. These kids are all over it. They're trying to grow this class. I mean, if you bring in more and more numbers, that can only be a good thing. You have to imagine with more and more numbers, at least a few kids are going to work out for you, if not more. So just continually adding to that base. I mean, if you have a, a group of three and they're all five stars, but none of them iron out, it's not quite as good as a group of 15 where there's no five stars, but you've got 10 of them playing meaningful minutes for you and you start winning football games which ultimately is what Illinois wants and needs to do so yeah another good get here three-star recruit I, I think you mentioned before only played in four games for Fenwick during this most recent season um, and hopefully he has a good senior season as well over the course of later full, this fall yeah over the course of a full nine plus games depending on what Fenwick does in the postseason and Cincinnati is um, a program that under Luke Fickle has really kind of risen to the upper echelon of, of the group of five mm-hmm. uh, programs in the country to watch for and and they came within a few seconds of beating Georgia uh, last year in, in uh, I believe the Sugar Bowl. Um, so Luke Fickle is really kind of taking the Bearcats to, to new heights that they haven't seen there at all and, and to get a kid who was committed to uh, a program that was in a spot for, you know, outside chance last season of, of breaking into the college football playoff and we can get into this more later with mm-hmm. the, the news about all the 12 team uh, playoff discussions that are out there for the expansion but to get a program that seems to be on the cusp of breaking through uh, and to get him back to a, uh, a power five school especially as in-state school like Illinois that's that's nothing but a good sign for for Bill because as you sit right now <clears throat> 
yes, Illinois is in the Big Ten. Yes, they are a Power Five school. But I think if Illinois and Cincinnati were to meet this upcoming <laughs> football season, I think the Bearcats would be favored. And the two teams have played recently mm-hmm. in, in the past. Um, Illinois is one one. Cincinnati is one one as well. But those two programs right now, especially on the national level, Cincinnati's a tick above Illinois. So for Illinois to to go in there and uh, get a player that decommitted from the Bearcats, I think is a a positive step for for Bielum and his staff. Hundred percent, hundred percent agree. And yeah, let's uh, let's go ahead and move on to some other topics yeah. we've got today. We've got plenty of uh, plenty of stuff we wanted to. <coughs> excuse me, plenty of stuff we wanted to uh, touch on. Uh, where do you want to go next? You uh, let's some, uh, let's go to the tour that you were not a part of yes. last week, Colin, because you were right. down in Charleston watching high school athletes compete for state boys, high school athletes compete for uh, state track and field titles. Mm-hmm. But last Thursday, Brett Bielam and his staff led the media on a tour of, of the Smith Center. Hopefully everyone was able to see Sunday's News Gazette uh, mm-hmm. where Bob Osmussen had a column from the afternoon event there and and also check out some of the photos uh from robin schultz who was on the tour as well our photo editor uh we had a full page just of photos from that tour and and sunday's news gazette but um i think it just kind of backs up kind of this belief that's been out there uh all along in the bielema era is that they have a plan Mm -hmm. when it comes to recruiting and obviously they're going to show off the bells and whistles and put their best foot forward uh, in front of a group of reporters um but still it seems to be a consistent messaging and a consistent plan that they have uh, and it was nice to kind of get a behind the scenes look is how that plan is unfolding and and how they're going about uh the recruiting front uh, when it comes to illinois yeah i mean uh media members have gotten to see the inside of the smith center before um not too long after it opened up um, and I mean, it, it's it's still a relatively young building, so it's not mm-hmm. like they've totally revamped it since Lovey Smith left and Brett yeah. Bielema came in. But what Bielema wanted to show off more so was the functionality of the building and how they actually use it in order to better the kids who are currently on campus and better the athletes who they're trying to get on campus and, and draw in those athletes to try and make them interested in coming over. Um uh, ever the salesman Josh Whitman being part of it as well I think was probably a good decision uh, to be part of the the media tour as well and uh, some other behind the scenes folks as well including Jade, Jade Brinkotter who is an STM alum we've mm-hmm. mentioned on this podcast before she got to talk about some nutrition type deals that's and tank right what's that that's her job yes <laughs> and tank right strength and conditioning got to talk about the the, the awesome weight room they've got over there so it, yeah it's it's not like we we're seeing anything new but what was new was just getting a better understanding for what exactly everything in that building can do for illinois football and yeah uh, i think the biggest takeaway is what you just said that bielema has a plan they want everything that they do and everything that they have at their disposal to have a purpose it doesn't seem like there's anything that they're utilizing or anything within the smith center that it's like well we don't really have a reason for that there's no reason for that to be there no it seems like they've got they've got a plan for pretty much everything they want to do uh whether it turns into wins is obviously up for up for debate we'll we'll find out starting in uh, late august if that's the case but illinois is at the very least putting itself in a position to where its kids can be competitive among other big 10 schools when it comes to facilities and amenities and things of that nature and then they're also putting themselves in a competitive position when it comes to recruiting. Again, with the facilities, that's one of the first things these kids see when they get on campus. 
I mean, you can you, you can watch the the team on TV all mm-hmm. you want, uh, but you can't really experience you know being part of the team until you are physically part of the team. So what you have to see is the facilities and what the facilities do and what the people in those facilities want to do for you. And I think. That's what Bielema was trying to show off here, so I think it was a smart move on his part to hold this, um, to have this platform for the media and just one day after Whitman had his media, annual media roundtable as well. I think that was a good one-two punch to try and build up some some positive momentum for Illinois football, and that pairs well with all of the, you know, camps and individual visits that Illinois, <coughs> excuse me, is having with all these athletes. I think I saw that Clayton Leonard, the Iroquois West offensive lineman, who's going to be a senior, I think he's on campus either yesterday or today for uh, another kind of like camp or meeting with the with the Bielema staff. So, yeah, this this all everything just comes together. It's, there's no separate parts working towards separate goals. Everything is working toward one goal, and it's not like that wasn't the case, you know, with with Lovey Smith. But we're just better understanding what this uh, what what Bielema wants to get out of all this, I guess, which is important. Well, like you said, Colin, June's been a busy month on, on the recruiting front, especially with the dead period ending on, on June 1st and prospects able to actually mm-hmm. visit the University of Illinois campus along with other uh, college programs across the country as well for the first time in, in 15 months and all that's good and, and positive uh, as a whole. But another good sign came out, and I know fans may grumble at this, but uh, it's still kind of, to me, it's always the kickoff of the college football season is when you start seeing conference media days oh, yeah, yeah. roll around. And obviously last summer we didn't have any at all. Um, <laughs> no real person. reason to have any. <laughs> I think a few might have been virtually, if, if any, um, trying to do that whole thing last year in, in the midst of, of the pandemic. And obviously the pandemic is still going on. It's not over by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but, uh, good news, uh, last Friday, the big 10 announced that they are having their football media days, uh, in person, uh, not remotely. I'm sure there'll be some virtual options there, some other elements that haven't been thought of in in the past at all, but, uh, it's going to be July 22nd and and July 23rd at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. Nice big venue to hold said Mm -hmm. uh, event. Colin, you were back there in in March uh, helping us cover the Big Ten men's basketball tournament. There will be plenty of space for teams and players and coaches to spread out in that, that massive downtown venue in Indianapolis. Uh, In the past, it's always kind of been up in in the Chicago area, but I kind of like this move to Indy. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's kind of just a nice kind of central point. Um, It's actually closer for us, too, to make the drive because we have the luxury on like other... Uh, you know, if you're at the Omaha World Herald or out yeah. in Piscataway, New Jersey, you got to hop on a plane to go cover Big Ten Media Days. We right. can just get in Collins SUV and <laughs> head over to to Indy. Right. Um, but yeah, that's a good sign. Uh, they're going to have seven teams available the first day, uh, Thursday, July 22nd. Among those seven teams is Illinois and Brett Bielema. Uh, Illinois, Maryland, Michigan, Minnesota, Nebraska, Northwestern, Penn State will all be there that first day. Um, I get why the Big Ten does this, but I've always argued this point <clears throat> that it would be so much easier and, and more conducive and make it a more worthwhile event if you just split it up into Big Ten West and sure. Big Ten East teams, but I believe the Big Ten's reasoning for doing that is they don't want to they kind of want to spread the spread the love, per se. Uh, they don't want to load up uh, with like Michigan and Ohio State, where that is the most heavily, mm-hmm. those are the heavily most heavily covered programs in the Big Ten and then just forget about Maryland or Rutgers in, in that 
in that instance at all. So then on Friday, July 23rd, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan State, Ohio State, Purdue, Rutgers, and Wisconsin will all be there. Uh, it'll be about a seven, eight-hour day event over there. Uh, each coach will be there. They'll bring two uh, multiple student-athletes. Usually in the past, it's been three uh, players from each team. Usually get one player on offense, one player on defense, and then kind of uh, you don't normally see specialists there, although there have been in the past, and those guys are the ones that are talked to the least because <laughs> they just don't generate kind of that, that buzz that certain players do at all. But, again, just uh, bringing it up more so as a sign of, of normalcy, kind of returning, and, and the fact that this is an event that you can kind of look forward to and, and – Big Ten Media Days is good in the sense that you get all this time with players and coaches, but then in a sense it's also a downfall too because you get all this time, but then the season doesn't kick off for five or six weeks after that. So a lot of stuff that they say before that happens before training camp and and practices get going in August, so it can kind of be moot, uh, all those discussions as well. But again, still just uh, another positive sign that uh, you know we're getting back to somewhat normal. Right, and uh, it gives you plenty of content to write about, you know, in that interim because there is a little bit of a, for lack of a better phrase, I guess, dead period between mm -hmm. the start or, or the end of Big Ten Media Days and the start of the actual season. Kind of like that month-long period where you're kind of, you know, waiting. You can, you can only speculate so much, I guess, so you get some good stuff out of the coaches and out of the athletes. Uh, usually, you know, pretty guarded and reserved, but sometimes people open up. It, it's not hard to get certain people to open up. I think of a... I think of, uh, you know, Brett Bielema, probably a guy who's <laughs> going to be willing to, to open up. And a he will bit. be a guy that a lot of people are going to be paying attention oh, 100%. to um, at that event next month. Uh, obviously, his ties to the Big Ten are, are long standing with his playing days at Iowa as an assistant at Iowa, and then most notably his success as a Wisconsin head coach. And I'm sure that'll be a popular storyline, especially among the national types is Brett Bielema returning to the Big Ten. Can he get it done? Can he have the same success he had at Wisconsin at Illinois? So Illinois is going to be most likely talked about more, mm -hmm. written about more, covered more during that stretch than maybe they had been in, in previous years at all. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting dynamic um, because if Illinois was, as you said, with its, its part of the conference, its division, mm -hmm. um, I think it would result in even more coverage, but Illinois has kind of been given a really interesting draw here where you're competing against, competing against, I use that <laughs> phrase lightly. For attention. M yeah, for attention. Michigan, which for likes and retweets. is Michigan, but Jim Harbaugh is Jim Harbaugh. certainly on the hot seat, and he's also Jim Harbaugh. He's going to say crazy things. And because probably wear crazy does. things. Yeah, uh, PJ Fleck loves to talk. Uh, Nebraska is always a draw, and Scott Frost is certainly another coach who's uh, under the microscope right now, and I think even Northwestern and Penn State are ones that Illinois is really going to be, you know, battling with for attention out of, out of that group. I mean, Maryland's the only one that's like, okay, Illinois is obviously going to be above them on the attention scale. But yeah, I mean, you could have pitted Illinois against like Rutgers, Purdue, Michigan State, even Iowa, and they would have easily stood out in like that group. But in that first group, I mean, that's there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of competing storylines going on there, and I wonder if uh, 
if Bielema maybe uses, maybe they get a little less attention than they might have mm-hmm. if they were put in a different group. Maybe he uses that as kind of like a, a talking point or kind of like a we're being overlooked type thing. That mm-hmm. seems like something that the Bielema staff might like to do, especially as they're trying to build up this Illinois program, kind of in an underdog image a little bit. Like, oh, look, Michigan, they're all paying attention to Michigan and Northwestern and, and Minnesota and Penn State. Uh, where, where's the attention for Illinois football? But maybe everybody will just swarm to Brett Bielema. Maybe I'll be proven <laughs> entirely wrong. Well, it's going to be interesting, too, and I'm sure we've talked about this or written about this before, but it's just kind of dawning on me now, looking mm-hmm. at the list of schools and, and thinking of the coaches of each of these schools, is that mm-hmm. Brett Bielema is the only, and I say this, I know he's coached in the Big Ten before, but he's the only new coach at a Big Ten school right. going into the 2021 season. Usually you kind of see more turnover mm-hmm. in that sense. Maybe two or three head coaches are, are new in a sense, and I'm sure some of these coaches may not be around in 2022 at the respective schools if sure. they have some disappointing seasons at all, but uh, that'll be another talking point that is, is bandied about as well is that he, Bielema is the only new uh, Big Ten coach uh, that will be in Indy uh, next season. Now, obviously, Mel Tucker at Michigan State in his second season mm-hmm. uh, didn't have one last year. Greg Schiano in his second stint with Rutgers is – uh, but first time with Rutgers being in the Big Ten that he's there, so right. he'll be at his first Big Ten media days too, but he obviously coached last season with the Scarlet Knights. Yep. Uh, moving on, I uh, figured this would be a good time too since we brought up media days and, and we always as sports writers like to, to look ahead even though coaches and athletes will say until they're blue in the face, they take it one game at a time. Well, we take it 12 games at a time <laughs> here. So uh, what we're going to do is just a, probably a futile exercise, but, uh, you know, it makes for, for good podcast banter. And, uh, you know, feel free to listen to it and uh, rate and review and get back to us in six months or so when we're completely wrong. Um, but one of the things we like to do is try to predict the future and, and make projections. So what we're going to try to do now, Colin, is we're going to – this will kind of be as our, our draft this week. We're going right. to try to correctly predict the Big Ten West and Big Ten East uh, 1 through 7 finish in each division going into the 2021 season. And our uh, in-depth research has taken place in the last hour or so. Mind <laughs> you, while Colin has been writing a quick story about Ian Pugh, the, the newest Illinois football commit as well. Um, so, Colin... Uh, if you want to go first, we can start in the Big Ten East. I'll okay. give you the first pick because I think that's the easiest one. And all I, right. I've got all the schedules for all the teams here on my handy dandy oh, uh, device that I've been scrolling through. But uh, you can go ahead and tell me who's going to win the Big Ten East. And if you say any other team besides the one that's in Columbus, I think we're going to have to stop recording this Rutgers. podcast. Okay, um, <laughs> Ohio State. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think that's pretty easy. Uh, Ryan Day's crew is above. All others in the Big Ten at this point, contending for a national championship when no other team in the Big Ten is. You could argue maybe, you know, if the field is spread to double digits like you were referring to earlier, maybe you could get another Big Ten team in there. Maybe even two on a really good season. But mm-hmm. uh, right now, Ohio State is the one in the four-team field, and that makes them the obvious winner of the Big Ten East. And, and they've got an interesting schedule. They open up on a Thursday night at Minnesota. Um, have to think P.J. Fleck and the Gophers are going to be up for that game. And then they do... Uh, traditional three straight non-conference games they got Oregon Tulsa and Akron all coming to the horseshoe uh, you'd have to think Oregon will be the toughest one of, of that game I would think so um, but then once Big Ten play starts again back in October for them October 2nd they're at Rutgers 
then they host Maryland, uh, then they're off for a week, then at Indiana, home against Penn State to conclude October. Likely all wins there, you would it's think. An enviable October schedule. Exactly. I think. Then uh, November gets a little. Eh, I don't know if it gets more difficult. I really don't. Um, there, it's hard to look at this Ohio State schedule and say, "Yeah, man, the Buckeyes are really going to be up for it." In, in this week, uh, November sixth, they're at Nebraska. November thirteenth, they host Purdue. November twentieth, they host Michigan State, and then they end oh. the year November twenty seventh, obviously in the game at Michigan. We'll see what Jim Harbaugh's ass is like there. But, yeah, that's, to me, the... That, that feels like the kind of game where Ohio State goes into the Michigan game undefeated and then Jim Harbaugh saves his job <laughs> by getting Michigan to win 14-13 or Possibly. something. Possibly. We'll see about that. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to go with my next... I'll, I'll be next in line. And, again, we're projecting the Big Ten East and West uh, right now. Uh, I'm going to go Penn State okay. at number two in the Good Big pick. Ten East. Um, I actually went through all the team's records and jotted out how I think they'd finish. So I've got Penn State at at eight and four, six and three in the Big Ten. Uh, if I did all the calculations right, um, they've got a difficult season opener though. Uh, a lot of Big Ten teams are opening against fellow Big Ten teams this season in, in a different twist, but I think that adds a lot of intrigue to these Week One games. They open up at Wisconsin, so I think oh, how they. How they deter- how they fare at Camp Randall could go a long way in, mm-hmm. in how their season uh, goes about. And their non-conference schedule, they play three non-conference games like the rest of the Big Ten. Two relatively, well, one guaranteed win, you would think. They're playing Villanova, an FCS program who is usually pretty good, but still it's an FCS program. And then two kind of difficult games to kind of gauge a little bit on the non-conference. They got Ball State at home. Ball State won the MAC title last mm-hmm. season. And then Auburn comes to state yeah. college new coach there and brian harson though for the tigers um fun one yeah then uh october home against indiana october 2nd at iowa october 9th okay. and they come to they host illinois october 23rd then they're at ohio state october 30th so that illinois game is obviously a trap game yes for the nittany lions uh before they head to columbus uh november is a little easier to play at maryland november 6th host michigan november 13th uh, host Rutgers November 20th and at Michigan State on November 27th. So I've got Penn State number two in the Big Ten East. Colin, okay. who is going to finish third? Uh, my number three pick, uh, I'm going to go with Indiana. I think uh, even though you lose a few key pieces, you return your starting quarterback, you hope that he is 100% healthy or at least mm-hmm. 95% healthy. Um, and I think IU's just got a lot more positive momentum right now than all of the other teams that we haven't mentioned yet. Um, obviously the really good season under Tom Allen where they felt like they got snubbed out of a better bowl game is going to have this team motivated, especially those returning uh, seniors and starters who feel like, you know, okay, if we want to prove that or we want to prove to somebody that we should be in this bigger bowl game, I guess we're just going to have to win every game we play, (laughs) which is going to be really difficult considering they have to play Ohio state. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's motivation like that that can cause a team to finish top three, top two in in a division. So uh, I think I use a safe. Pick Some difficult three. road games for Tom Allen's team this year, starting with the opener at Iowa, September fourth. Yeah, that's that's rugged. Um, <laughs> they do also host Cincinnati in a non-conference game. That'll be crucial for uh, the Hoosiers. But they also, and again, this is just by virtue of being in the Big Ten East uh, as well. They have to travel to Penn State October second. They have to travel uh, to Michigan uh, November 6th and then the end the year with the old Oak and Bucket 
uh, at Purdue as well. Are you gonna? Are you gonna be like, we don't really enjoy a packed big house <laughs> as much as everybody else does. So everyone will be like, look, the big house is packed again. How awesome! Are you gonna be like, no, this is awful. Yeah, so we'll see if uh, last year's success was, uh, you know, a fluke, a one hit, one year one one year wonder for Tom Allen's program, but he's definitely built up some positive mojo in, in Bloomington. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can't go wrong with uh, IU at third there. Uh, so I'm going to say... <laughs> have fun with this one. Fourth, and I've got all the teams here. I'm trying to keep them all straight now. I should have done this by division instead of uh, alphabetically. Uh, I'll say Michigan finishes yeah, fourth in the Big fair. Ten East. Uh, I got them down at, at seven and five, five and four. Probably not enough to save Jim Harbaugh's job. Unlike, unless you said they... Uh, a miracle and beat Ohio State in, in the regular season. If that's the finale. only game they win, it might save his job. <laughs> yeah, they start off not by playing Big Ten schools. It's more a traditional schedule in the sense they open with three non-conference games and then dive into the nine-game Big Ten schedule. Uh, they play two MAC teams in non-conference, both at home. All three games are actually at home. Uh, they host Western Michigan on September 4th and Northern Illinois on September 18th. Sandwich in between that is a home game against Washington. Mm. Uh, you'd have to think that game will be very crucial for Michigan yeah. to kind of seize on any momentum. There's a very realistic possibility that could be 4-0 going into October, the Big Ten opener, September 25th against Rutgers. Um, then an interesting stretch for them. Uh, they go to Wisconsin October 2nd at Nebraska October 9th. Uh, those two games I feel are pretty vital for whether Michigan is going to be a contender or a pretender. As we've seen in the Jim Harbaugh era, and in pretty much every Michigan season since Lloyd Carr retired, they're more of a pretender than contender. Uh, so I've got them finishing fourth in, in the Big Ten East. Uh, they'll probably start out pretty strong, be in the top 25, and then probably f- bottom out like they seem to do pretty yeah. much each and every year, not live up to the lofty expectations that right. folks in Ann Arbor have. So with right. your fifth pick in the Big Ten East, Colin, fifth, you were fifth going pick with... pick in the Big Ten East? Um, I don't know if there's a obvious <laughs> candidate here so i'm gonna go maybe a little crazy i'm gonna say Rutgers. okay um it's just they went zero and five at home last year you All feel right. like that's not sustainable <laughs> <laughs> like you should be able to win a home game at some point illinois didn't win a home game either but they only had three opportunities as opposed to five um and i mean when i saw Rutgers play illinois granted it wasn't in person but i feel like they're probably a little better than what they put up last year and maybe mm. not a ton better mm-hmm. they're probably still sub 500 <laughs> But they could still finish above Maryland and a rebuilding Michigan State, I think, in the Big Ten East. So okay. I'm going to go with Rutgers on the on the merit of they have to win more than zero home <laughs> games this season. Fair enough. Uh, I had actually had them last in my mock projection. I told you I went well. a little crazy there because so I don't to, think there's any like obvious picks. Yeah, there, you could make the argument that the bottom three in the Big Ten East are going to be Maryland, Michigan State, and Rutgers, and in you could probably order. say that. Uh, every year, at least until Mel Tucker maybe gets Michigan State back to what it was like under Mark D'Antonio. So yep. I'll say Michigan State mm-hmm. finishes sixth sure. in the Big Ten East. They showed some flashes last year in Mel Tucker's first season. Uh, ultimately did not have the type of season that a lot of folks have come to expect. In East Lansing, to me, their most crucial game, I'm going to sound very cliche when I say this, but it's the opener at Northwestern. Sure. Uh, a chance for them to really start off on a on a positive note, yeah. uh, they've got a difficult non-conference game at Miami on September 18th. Uh, so if they win North, beat Northwestern, and then they host Youngstown State the following week, chance to go to three and zero with a win at Miami. Um, yeah, they've they've got some 
They've got Michigan at home this year. They have to go to Ohio State, which, again, never easy. But they do get to host Penn State at the end of the season. So maybe Michigan State kind of pulls out some stops and some tricks and, you know, moves up uh, the Big Ten East. But, yeah, right now I got them slotted in at six. And with my seventh pick, it's I no offense to Mike Loxley, but we are taking <laughs> Maryland at number seven. And, yep. you know, Maryland's one of those teams where I feel like if I, like, you know, like I don't know who they're playing week four, but, like, a random week four or week five game, for example, always feels like all of a sudden Maryland's just like, you know, we're going to play really well this <laughs> week and upset some team. Yeah. And maybe they'll have another one of those games this year, but by and large, I, I mean, the offense just wasn't very good last year i don't know that it got any better in this offseason and defense wins championships but you need points to win games so yeah. uh yeah we're gonna go maryland last all right so that leaves me the unenviable task of trying to figure out who's going to win the big 10 west which i think is the most parody driven division yeah. probably in all of it's college certainly football. not an obvious ohio state pick here. no but i'm going to go with someone that's really kind of become the trendsetter in, in the big 10 west uh, and i think is I feel pretty safe in making this proclamation, but I'm going to say Wisconsin wins the Big Ten okay. West. Um, okay. I got them going nine and three overall, seven and two in the Big Ten. Uh, I think it helps having the Penn State game at Camp Randall, uh, first game back at that venue with fans since 2019. You have to think that should be a pretty good atmosphere. Uh, they do host Notre Dame in non-conference at Soldier Field to end September. And then another big home game right after that. They got Michigan coming to town before, obviously, the game here in Champaign on October 9th, homecoming. Uh, the storylines will be easy to write for that with Brett Bielema facing his old team. Then they got a uh, October 16th home non-conference game against Army, which will be intriguing because it's always difficult to prepare for the Knights' triple option uh, attack that they have. Uh, the back half of the schedule, I think, is easier than the front half, although there are some potential potholes. They do have Iowa coming to Madison, so that's an advantage. Uh, they have to end the season at Minnesota, but um, they've dominated that rivalry in recent past. So I'm going to go Wisconsin as my pick to win the Big Ten West. So right. that being said, who finishes runner-up in the Big Ten West? I was going to take Wisconsin as runner-up, so okay. I'm, I'm okay, I'm okay with that. Um <laughs> I'm going to throw something out here real quick because I'm, of course, watching Twitter. Um, interesting little news break that uh, Mark Emmert has come out with something that says he is uh, he's pushing for, this is according to Nicole Auerbach of The Athletic, pushing for temporary guidance to allow all athletes to monetize NIL name image likeness as of July hmm. 1st as kind of a bridge okay. until there's federal legislation. So uh, I guess Mark Emmert is finally saying, all right, we're at least – kind of done being total jerks about this whole <laughs> amateurism thing uh their response to the supreme court ruling earlier this week yeah. was extremely petty i thought and it's good to see they're maybe trying to turn a page maybe we'll see it's the ncaa so i'm sure they'll throw some loophole in there that totally screws some <laughs> athletes but getting back to our draft um i was going to take northwestern at number one so okay. i'll take them at number two Fair enough. um they won the west last year obviously doesn't mean they're going to win the west the next year but they return a lot of their defense i'm going to stick with the mantra the defense wins championships they had a really <laughs> strong defense this team has bought into what pat fitzgerald is selling um and i think they really built up some some positive momentum last season last few seasons honestly i know they haven't all been great seasons but i think northwestern is trending in the right direction and the defense isn't going to stop in Ohio State in a Big Ten championship game, but it's going to stop most of the teams in the West, I think. So I'm going to take Northwestern at number two, ultimately. 
now we get into the murky world of mm-hmm. trying to figure out who's going to be in the middle of the pack in the Big Ten West. And I'm going to go with an old dependable here, and, and that's Iowa. Uh, I feel Kirk Ferentz, no matter how great a, you know, he's the all-time winningest coach at mm-hmm. Iowa. He's the uh, longest tenured FBS coach. I feel he's always going to be destined to finish eight and four. Uh, <laughs> and then, then that's fair. fine, and then that's yeah, okay. That's not bad. It's better no, than two exactly. and, two and it'll, something. It'll get him a statue built outside Kinnick someday. So I got the Hawkeyes finishing third in the Big Ten West. Uh, favorable, relatively favorable early schedule. Um, open up the season at home against Indiana. They've also got their first two other, their first three Big Ten games. Actually, first four Big Ten games are at home. Uh, they host Maryland October second, Penn State October ninth. Purdue October 16th and an off week. Then they go to Northwestern the day before Halloween, which should be an intriguing. I feel that will be like a 21-20 game like it is pretty much every year. But um, I think the back half of their schedule is a lot more challenging. Back-to-back road trips to Northwestern and Wisconsin. Then a home game against Minnesota. Uh, They host Illinois November 20th and then uh, end the season at Nebraska. But uh, I think Iowa is just going to kind of be where they – they always are. You, they give you some hope and promise early on in the season, and then they kind of, you know, fizzle out towards kind of the end of end of the season, and just kind of they go to a decent bowl game at the end of the year, but nothing that, yeah, you know, screams over oh, competing for a Big Ten title. And it seems like I'm, I'm sure they'd like to contend for a Big Ten title, but it seems like they're okay with being <laughs> okay to good, which yeah. is fine. It's better than what Illinois has been recently. And speaking <laughs> of Illinois, next pick, I'm going Illinois. Homer, um, <laughs> I'm going Illinois above above Minnesota, above Nebraska, wow. above Purdue. All yeah, right. maybe a little crazy, but I think the front <laughs> half of the schedule really plays well, even mm-hmm. for a team that is going to be kind of finding its new identity going into the season. Um, I realize returning a large super senior class that largely struggled uh, last year doesn't necessarily mean they're just going to turn things around the next year. But, I mean, you you start with a Nebraska team that if they don't get picked last in this draft, I'm not sure what's happening, um, <laughs> followed by UTSA, Virginia, Maryland, Purdue, and Charlotte. I mean, there's going to be competition in there for sure, but that is a very winnable opening schedule, and that's the way you kind of – I realize they're not all Big Ten games either, but um, I think you build that positive momentum, then maybe you can pull off a surprise. Maybe you can beat a Minnesota mm-hmm. a little later in the season. They've got Rutgers later in the season as well. I think there's just winnable games across the board. I think Brett Bielema's first schedule is playing, play, played out very well, and I think that leads to Illinois jumping up in the Big Ten standings a bit. Maybe maybe I'm being a little too gracious at how far they jump up, <laughs> but I think they jump up from last place. All right, so it's not as bad as what we had in Sunday's Illinois year interview or headlines you'll see in 21 21 2021 22 school years that Osmus and Illini bound for Rose Bowl but <laughs> Collins basically saying Illini bound for the uh, quick lane bowl or sure. something like that sure the, um, the tech.com.org <laughs> slash org yeah. bowl. I don't know um, interesting pick I think the key for Illinois is the the opener against Nebraska if they're able to beat the Cornhuskers and they did so soundly last year in Lincoln, but Adrian Martinez has baffled them in the past, and by yep. all indications, he'll be the starting quarterback for Nebraska and performed well in 2019 during his uh, previous trip to Champaign. So. All right, so Collins got Illinois finishing fourth in the Big Ten in Brett Bielema's first year. I'm sure Josh Whitman would gladly take that. I think so. Um, I'll go Minnesota then. Sure. Um, I had them a little higher uh, than Illinois in my projections. Sure. but uh, Minnesota at fifth. Uh, the only reason maybe not higher is just 
once you get past October 23rd, it's just a very grueling schedule for P.J. Fleck. Uh, here's their final five games. October 30th at Northwestern, November 6th, home against Illinois, uh, November 13th at Iowa, November 20th at Indiana, November 27th, home against Wisconsin. And yep. that's not to mention the fact that they opened the season with Ohio State as yep. well. So um, all those good vibes that P.J. Fleck had in 2019, all those, you know, Hokey yeah. sayings he has, I'm sure, can rub people the wrong way up in the Twin Cities, and maybe this year they even do more so if the yeah. progress on the field doesn't continue at all. And, and that schedule is uh, it's pretty daunting looking at yeah. it, uh, especially the back half of that schedule. So I've got Minnesota finishing fifth. So, right. Colin, you're, well, whoever you I've decide to pick six will then determine who I pick six. I, I've kind of already given away that I'm not taking Nebraska okay. at number six because Fair I enough. think they're just – Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they're just going to destroy Illinois in week one, week zero. They're going to bring Big and Ten football back. Now. Maybe they will. I think they're swirling. They did that the, last year. I think they're swirling the train right now. <laughs> so I'm going to take Purdue next, kind of just def- default. Okay. Um, I don't think Purdue is like that much better than Nebraska right now necessarily, but I just think Nebraska is really not in a good place. Um, and, you know, Jeff Brom's not in a great place either. He, like P.J. Fleck, not not with the hokey sayings, but with the positive momentum, had things going in the right direction for like a year, year and a half, and now it's just we're back to Purdue football being middling to below middling, and uh, that's just kind of what they do. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to take Purdue to finish second to last in the All West right, that, as they did last year. That leaves me Nebraska, seventh in the Big Ten West. Sorry, Cornhuskers. I was forced to do this. Um, Where did you have them in your I don't know, anywhere between five and five, five, six range maybe. Okay. I think Adrian Martinez is out to prove a lot of people wrong this season. I just wonder if he gets full playing time or if they just true. randomly bench him for no reason. That's true as well. So. Um, again, the key for Nebraska is that opener against Illinois. Yeah. Um, they host Fordham in week two, should be a win there. They host Buffalo in week three, likely a win there. Then they go to Oklahoma uh, for a marquee non-conference game. Um, like Ten years ago, marquee. Yeah, true. Uh, November is a really difficult month for them, though. Uh, they host Ohio State November 6th at Wisconsin November 27th in uh, the season, November 27th at home against Iowa. I don't think... They're ready to turn over the Scott Frost era, considering he's such a beloved son in Nebraska, but they need to start. you got to rack- see some progress. Got to start racking up some wins for the Cornhuskers. All right, well, that does it for this episode of Inside Illini Football. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week for more on Inside Illini Football.